yum nub. Eat out the yum nub. I told me to get chicken. Can you fuck me? Hi, welcome to Upcast, your Star Wars cartoon podcast. My name is Matt, and how Jedi choose to win, the question is. And I'm Jamie, and someday you're going to be wrong. I just hope I'm there to see it. Um, I'm wrong all the time. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I edit I edit our episodes, and I cut out so many... <laughs> I cut out so much stuff that either just can't be put on the internet, um, or... Just well, complete fuck-ups. This you shouldn't. <laughs> shouldn't go on the internet. I don't want uh, some random person on the internet just to decide that, hey, these guys are assholes. Let's get them fired. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> well, I work in the private sector. <laughs> like, all right, how's the Ghostbusters quote go? You've never worked in the private sector. They expect results. That that is that is very close, or not if not the exact line. Personally, I like the university. They gave us money and facilities. We didn't have to produce anything. You've never been out of college. You don't know what it's like out there. I've worked in the private sector. They expect results. Um. So today we're going to go over Clone Wars. We're still doing Clone Wars. It's not an Ewoks week. We haven't had one of those yet. Um. So today we're going over Ambush, which is season one of episode one. The very first piece of Clone Wars anyone ever saw on television. But before we do that, um, so have you done any Star Wars lately? I know you've been super busy, but have you gotten anything in? No, I honestly haven't, which is 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 not typical for me. I mean, usually there's a like a book or something that I'm reading, but I just I, I just haven't. I um, other than my like every now and then, I'll get my uh, fill of like watching the Battle of Scarif. Or other like scenes from like like episodes or movies that I just really enjoy. I was I was gonna say oh I was watching Moon Knight with Poe Dameron, but no way that's just the actor. But yeah, no, nah, I, I I really haven't. I I've, I've been like listening to an audiobook of like um it's kind of like a Star Wars clone military sci-fi. Um, but I haven't actually done anything like true like Star Wars. In a while. How about you? I I too have not done a lot of Star Wars in the past couple of weeks. I've been switching jobs, and we just purchased a house, and I've been knee deep in paperwork. We're all both switching jobs and purchasing a house. Which, if you're an adult out there, um, don't do those things in the same week. <laughs> that pisses bankers off because they don't know if you're going to get paid at your new job for some reason. Yeah. And so that yeah that that actually happened to us. When we were selling our old house to move into the house we are now, like we had a, like a great offer, and and then the, the dipshit changed jobs in the middle of it, and was like and lost his financing. Like what what the fuck is wrong with you? Like I'm pretty stupid when it comes to financial stuff, and even I know better than to do that. Well, I did it. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you're in a much better financial position, I think, than this guy. Or yeah, and also also my job change was. I considered it very subtle because I've been deployed for such a long time and they just formalized my deployment and released me from my previous job and gave me a promotion. And it was all very seamless. But then when they went to go confirm my employment, they didn't know how. And so, and so they called, they called like the FDA and the FDA is like, he doesn't work here. And then they're like, what? And this is what you want someone to tell the bank like two days before you buy a house, <laughs> right? Like he lied about his employment. So everybody lost it. Um, and I've been, I had to, I had to really climb the mountain to prove that I was still had a job <laughs> um, and, and had to have like someone pretty high up in the government call a bank for me. <laughs> yeah. So. Was, it, was it Brandon? Did Brandon call for you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that that's what we did. Yeah, I, I just called. I just looked through my Senate Rolodex, and I was like, "Which one of these pieces of shit can call? <laughs> call my bank." <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> Listen, you frog-looking motherfucker! <laughs> like, deflate your air sac and call the bank and let them know I still work here. Let's go, Brandon. <laughs> Make the call. <laughs> If you can't do it, maybe Corn Pop can. <laughs> nobody, nobody hates the government more than a government employee. <laughs> yeah, so we we moved, so 
so we're we bought this we're closing down the house in two days but everything is fine now um but that that all of this has consumed a ton of my time but i did finish the kenobi novel the legends book um it was very good i recommend it um i know you're not a huge legends guy but i recommend it it's good and i started queen's hope which i'd sort of been putting off which is the end of the padme trilogy um oh god as much of a completionist i am i just cannot i i did the first one and then after you told me about the second one i'm just like and eh, no nope 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 i am out they could be good they could be good star wars books for the girl no i bought i bought the uh i bought the women of the galaxy book because a huge star wars fan b i thought it would be good for her and i sent you pictures of her reading about ahsoka and like asajj ventress like reading through the whole book like there's like char- cool characters missing and then they got characters like the handmaidens it's like who gives a shit about them i mean sabe has become more interesting since the um since the book came out but it's like the rest of them are just like who gives a fuck that like Man. isval isval from like uh, sith uh sith lord's book is much more interesting and then she's yes. left out and they put in like the one like uh sommelier from the uh a certain from the Candlebite Bite book, and it's just like, really, really. Friend, friend of the friend of the pod wrote that book. Okay, edit um, this out. But... <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't believe no, no, they put fine, my favorite but... character, the sommelier, in. <laughs> no, we're not. We're not necessarily shooting on the book, right? It's there's there's a lot of editorial pressure to include weird weird characters from every property in it, right? But Isval would have been a wonderful. Yeah character to explore because she's got such a dark past and like the shit that she does yeah she's a f- in like the brothel yeah, is just amazing yeah she's like a, essentially like a uh, twilight serial killer almost yeah yeah she just like like before she any big mission she's got to beat the shit out of a uh, uh an imperial and uh, save a, a slave you know that's yeah, just like her, like that's that, her routine it's like that charlie Theron movie monster right yeah she like picks up picks up a picks up guys looking for a hooker and then murders them. <laughs> and her justification is, well, they were human trafficking. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, well, hard to argue with that. Um, go right ahead. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll put it this. I'll put it this way for the Padme book. It's not my favorite series. It's not my least favorite set of books. It's definitely not targeted towards a middle-aged man. But this is this book so far is mostly about. Padme and Anakin's wedding, which in the movie they basically cut to the wedding, and you see it for like a couple minutes. But in the book, it spends chapters like talking about like how she got her, how she makes her dress, and Naboo traditions around weddings, and shows them interacting. Right? It's like we what we talk about. It's like it's a gap filler book. It's like you don't get to see them being like like flirty and affectionate toward each other very much in attack of the clones but in this book you do right and it's genuine and and did just like uh like because i know she has siblings that i'm pretty i'm pretty sure she did because there's a there's outtakes with her parents uh deleted scenes i should say and so does she have a big brother who's like gotta like stare down anakin and be like well don't you don't you cheat on my sister or, or i'll fuck you up that'd be good <laughs> that'd be good i mean but there's E.K. Johnson does a great job with the book, um, the emotional tone of the book. Padme is completely cut off because they get married in secret. And she there's like a really nice scene where she's realizing that she has to button up her wedding dress. But some of the buttons are in the back of the dress. Mm-hmm. And, and she can't – she's having a really hard time doing it. And then she just sort of breaks down because she realizes that she's getting married without her friends or family around to help her to witness it and things. And it's – it really shows like how far they're willing to go yeah. to like be with each other, like breaking all these traditions. The only other human there is some basically pastor that she trusts, and Anakin doesn't even know. Yeah does 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 Anakin get super wasted the night before? Like, yes. Bang some Gungan hookers. Yeah, he's got complete whiskey dick. <laughs> <laughs> all right, really, really earning that explicit tag today. No, I actually, I actually have a, a game we can play. Maybe we can do it next time. Where I, a handmaiden or not a handmaiden. I'll give you a name of someone and you tell me if they're a real handmaiden or not. Is this their original name or their their um, 
their name that they take that make it sound like Padme? Um, I'm not telling you because it'll make it harder for you to study for the game. But I know you're not going to study for the game. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It, it, it didn't. Was it you or did somebody scoop you on it like for the like the last book? doing the wikipedia entry for like periods someone beat me to it <laughs> I, th- I threatened to do it and then i waited too long and then someone did it <laughs> do you want to move on to the plot summary sure let's do it all right so like i said today we're going over over um well it's our seventh episode in the exploration of clone wars um, the episode title is Ambush, but it is season one, episode one, because if you recall, we're watching them in the in-universe chronological order. Um, the original air date for this was October 3rd, 2008, and so it actually is the first piece of Clone Wars that was ever aired. I think we can talk about at the end whether or not this is a good episode to start with and whether or not this would have piqued our interest. Okay. I do want to tell you right right at the top that this is probably more than any other episode of Clone Wars, the episode I've seen the most. And it is because when the boy was a toddler, he and I were super into Star Wars together, and I was just getting back into it in a big way because I had a kid, and he loved it. And we had an old iPhone, um, and I downloaded a couple episodes of like a dinosaur documentary, and a couple Daniel Tigers in this episode onto the iPhone for, like, car trips. And he could watch the iPhone and then his car seat. And he watched this episode on repeat. I just bought the episode on, like, Apple TV back then, like 10 years ago, or I guess six or seven years ago. And he just watched this on repeat. And so I know every single line verbatim in order and every shot and I was watching it and doing the notes, and I was like, oh, it's like a blanket. I can just, like, wrap myself in this episode. But I did learn some stuff when I was doing the research. All right, so um, the little Jedi fortune cookie message in the beginning of the episode is, Great leaders inspire greatness in others. And once again, we will discuss whether or not this is applicable after the plot summary. So the opening voiceover... The narrator is saying that peaceful worlds must choose sides or be invaded. Neutral planets are appealed to by both sides. Um, Yoda is going to a remote moon to meet with the king of Toydaria. We met the king of Toydaria in the previous episode where Jar Jar does the plate spinning act. And so on the surface of the moon, Rugosa, King Katuku of Toydaria, is waiting to meet with Yoda. Um, Yoda is late. Um, at least according to the king. All of a sudden, Ventress shows up with a message from Count Dooku. She holds up a hollow projector, and Dooku appears and asks the king, how can the Jedi protect Toydaria when they cannot protect themselves? So I, I want to I stop you before you go on. Is that like where they're meeting, it looked a lot like the planet from Rebels, where Chopper Base is, where Bindu is. Because they have... Um, Adalon? Is it called Adalon? I, um, I think it is. Yeah, because like the humongous flower structures. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the design of the planet now? Yeah, it was just like there's these huge things that are just like, they look like these huge like flower structures. I don't know if it's supposed to be rock or humongous plants or something, but it looks like a humongous like uh, like flower coming up. Um, out of the ground, or not. I mean, like it's like close to the ground, not like a huge stem, but it, they used a very similar design in Rebels for the uh, for the Rebel base, where they eventually meet sure. the, uh, the Bendu. Sure, um, I agree. I think I think they do share a lot of similarity. Um, Dave Filoni gave an interview about the designs of the early planets in Clone Wars, early locations, and he talked about this one, Ragosa, and he said that when, he said that Star Wars has a very Flash Gordon design aesthetic, where every planet is a single biome, right? So there's the desert planet, and the forest planet, or the forest moon, and the jungle planet, and blah blah blah, right? Mm-hmm. And if you ask, he said if you ask George, George would say like he did all the easy ones, right? Um, and so Filoni, when he started Clone Wars, and this is the first, very first episode, 
he said that he wanted, like, he had people just pitching him planet ideas. And this planet is the dried up ocean coral reef planet. And so the structures mm-hmm. are supposed to be coral. Interesting. Okay. And has it's supposed to have like the aesthetic of like the planet used this moon used to be covered in water, all the water's gone. And what's left are like these fossilized forests of coral. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And and his explanation is perfect, right? I think in the, they nailed it. Because once you see it, it's like, oh, it is coral. Especially when they do the establishing shots of the forest. Mm-hmm. It just looks like it just looks like a coral reef. I love it. I love the idea. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. All right. So in space, um, Yoda's in sort of a sort of like a cruiser, and it's under attack. Um, Yoda says they've sprung a trap, and the clone commander, his name's Zek, he's got like headgear and like a different uniform, like a like a officer's uniform, says they need to retreat and get Yoda out of there. But Yoda says no, his mission's on the moon, um, and so. Yoda's not going to abandon the mission. On the moon, Dooku's still talking with the king, and he says that the droid army outnumbers the Jedi and the clones 100 to 1. And then King Katuku says he's heard that a Jedi is worth 100 droids. This part, we're jumping in between space and the planet pretty fast, or the moon pretty fast. Yoda leaves the ship in an escape pod headed for the moon. To avoid being killed, he says, launch all the pods, which is a good strategy, I guess increases your odds yeah. and then he orders he orders the cruiser away too yeah it's, it's good except for like if that cruiser runs into problems and they need to evacuate but whatever they're just clones one problem at a time <laughs> Duku on the moon continues his appeal and he says he'll await the king's decision in the pod yoda is yoda's in the pod rushing toward the planet and he escapes being destroyed because a droid is bad at shooting um, this this scene sort of reminded me of the escape pod in A New Hope, where they're going to shoot it and they don't shoot it, mm-hmm. except this one, they sh- shoot at it and miss. Um, but it, it felt a little reminiscent of that. Yoda and three clones are headed to the surface, and Yoda tells them that he senses a disturbance in the Force. Um, Ventress reports to the King that the Jedi have fled the system as evidence of their cowardice. But just then, King Katuku gets a call from a clone, and it's Yoda. Yoda tells him that they've been delayed, but they're on the moon, and they're headed his way. Yoda was unaware that Dooku was invited to their meeting, and the king says they they were all surprised. And so this was supposed to be a private meeting between the king of Toydaria and the Jedi to discuss joining, and it's turned into something else entirely. Ventress offers a challenge. She will send droids to try and capture Yoda, and if she does, Toydaria will join the Separatists. Um, King Kaduka very wisely says that this was not supposed to be a test of Yoda's abilities, but Yoda sort of accept, he accepts it, but he does it in sort of like a, a coy way. Is coy right? He's sort of like playful in this moment. Like he's not afraid of Ventress at all. Uh, this is where I kind of... Um... This is kind of a part that annoys me, and kind of okay. part of like why why I stopped watching Cobra Kai. I, I don't know if you've watched that show, but um, I have. I also found it annoying after a couple after season two. Yeah, so like after season three, I was like, like holy crap, it's starting to get kind of weird. But like at the end, like at the end, like okay, spoilers for Cobra Kai season three. If you haven't seen it, eventually like the Cobra Kai's pretty much do a home invasion. And started attacking um, the Miyagi-Do people or the students, uh, and so there's this huge fight. And then like, um, then like Johnny and Daniel are just like, "What the fuck?" Crease is behind this. Let's go get them. They go there and they're beating the shit out of him. And then he's like, "Well, how about instead of we settle this at the All Valley tournament?" And it's like, and they're like, "Oh, okay." It's like, no. He encourages students to do a home invasion to beat the shit out of people. Like, send those motherfuckers to jail. Get him, send him to jail. Don't just be like, okay, we'll settle this in the karate tournament. It's like, no, what the fuck? And it's like, after that, I was kind of like, yeah, I'm out. So um, just like this sort of thing just kind of reminds me of that. It's just like, he's a, he's a fucking king. He's not going to be like, well, I guess I'm not a king, 
like, screw you. You weren't invited to this meeting. I guess there wouldn't be a episode without uh, that. So, sorry, rant over. No, you're right that, that there's really the premise of the episode is flawed in, in exactly the way you stated, right, where like, the other side shows up and causes absolute chaos and everyone's like, I'm going to wait to see how this plays out. Yeah. Like, you wouldn't do that. Like, there's no – on no planet would you actually do that. Like, but whatever. It's it's a, it's a plot device. Mm-hmm. And it gives Yoda something to do. So Yoda reflects on the beauty of the moon. Um, meanwhile, a full battalion of droids and tanks are approaching their location. The clones gear up to fight by taking weapons out of the pod. Yoda tells them to pack light and heads off in the direction away from the rendezvous and the army. Um, Ventress tells the droids to find a small green Jedi and bring him to her. The tank column is going into the coral forest, but the canopy and structures are too dense. They try to fire on Yoda and the clones, but they are out of range. Um, Back to my personal experience with this episode. For years, the boy would say, um, fire on Sector 11. (laughs) And he would also yell, but I just got promoted. (laughs) <laughs> which is something one of them says later yeah but that those are catchphrases in our house mm. at least for when the kids were babies they try to fire on yoda and the clones but they're out of range yoda and the clones just hold position the droids eventually stop um, because they can't take the tanks on the path they're on so the the tanks get sort of trapped in the coral forest um yoda is full of these little aphorisms in this episode and this is when he said smaller number are we but larger in mind so him and three clones are going to outsmart this whole army Um, the infantry advances on foot through the forest Um, the clones put together a plan to flank the droids as they come into range the droids start taking fire yoda serves as a distraction jumping around while the droids shoot at each other there's a couple of these scenes too where yoda basically causes droids to shoot themselves or shoot at each other by moving quickly and jumping. Mm-hmm. Yoda's physicality is on full display in this episode. So the droids report back to Ventress and King Katuku that Yoda has destroyed the advanced troops, um, and now super battle droids are bearing down on the clones. Um, so there's like a big column of those up, large upper body strength droids um, shooting at them. Uh, Yoda shows up and deflects the blasts long enough for them to escape. Um, now that one of them's injured, they're moving slower. He uses the force to pick up one of the droids and controls it, and he turns it around and starts shooting the whole battalion of super battle droids. This is a tactic I think they probably should use a lot more often. Yeah. Um, yeah using the force to turn a gun around on people. Yeah. There's... I mean, we've talked about it tons of times and just like uh, instant messages that there's like so many cool things that could be done with the force that nobody has either done yet. Um, because like if like if they could do one, if they can do certain things with the force, like like in this case, turn it around and force them to fire. Ezra could Ezra could like um, make the uh, Walker Gunner fire on his own people and then just walk off the cliff. What's to stop a Jedi or Sith or just somebody, just like um, like you're, you're like like force the pilot to eject, or use the force to rip the canopy off and just rip the pilot straight out of the um, out of the ship? Something cool like that. There's uh, so yeah, many. Yeah, I mean, good. Yeah, there's so many like cool things, or like a lightsaber that can only be turned on via the force. Like, right, right, right. We've talked a little bit about this stuff on the podcast before about. Um, but I'm now now I'm just envisioning like Obi Wan making um, warm, loathsome like pull a pistol out and shoot himself in the head. <laughs> I mean, you could get really dark with it, right? And and remember when we were reviewing the Tardavoski Clone Wars, and there was a scene with Mace Windu where he dismantles a droid by unscrewing all the bolts in it with the Force, mm-hmm. and then uses that debris as like bullets. To like hit other droids, mm-hmm. um, that this scene sort of reminded me of that, like because he's he's shooting these other droids and then he basically uses it as like a cudgel to knock the rest of them down. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think this is a tactic, and 
Jedi's underutilize the Force for sure. Yeah, yeah, the Force is definitely there for. Um, it's more of a plot device, or maybe not. It's, it's they only they only use the Force when they need, the plot calls for it. Yeah. Or like same with like lightsaber techniques, like they finally like in in the Mandalorian where they uh, showed Ahsoka, they showed like this is the first time where they actually kind of did what like I've been talking about for a while. It's like, well, why don't they just turn their lightsabers on and off during the battle? You're you're, cl- you're clenched in a lightsaber battle, just turn it off, and then turn it right back on. And so you just, oh, our lightsabers are crossed. I turn mine off. I just go forward a little bit, turn it back on. Oh, I decapitated you. There's a lot of stuff in Star Wars, which we obviously love, but it's the same time it's like, it could be so much cooler. You could do so much more cooler stuff. Yeah, suspension of disbelief, I guess. Mm-hmm. We, have to, we have to make yeah. excuses for why that's the case. Yeah, we're, we're a huge apologists when it comes to that sort of thing, so we'll uh, we'll still... We'll still... We'll still buy our, our, our Disney Plus subscription and buy random toys and tickets to, to go see movies. But as, as long as they never change the Inquisitor's head shape. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't talk about that, you know. It's like, we don't t- talk about Bruno. We don't talk about the Inquisitor's head shape. So he turns a droid on the other droids and destroys them all. Um, Yoda tells the clones that they will not leave anyone behind. There's only three of them, so they can't afford to lose anybody, I suppose. Um, Yoda covers the clones' retreat. Um, the droids report back to Ventress and the king that the Republic forces are in retreat. Um, king Katuku calls Yoda, and Yoda says that he's not having any trouble, and they will meet soon. This is some Yoda bravado. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't necessarily see it, feel it like it was out of character, but it didn't feel like it was perfectly in line with this character to brag like this, but he was speaking the truth, so maybe it wasn't a brag. Um, the clones and Yoda find a cave to rest in while the droids and tanks sort of fill the field. Uh, in the cave, the clones sort of give a status report to Yoda. They, they say that they're running out of ammo, they only have one rocket left, and they're sure they've lost the battle they suggest Yoda go ahead without them and the clones will stay behind to slow down the army while this conversation is happening Yoda turns a rifle into a cane and tells them that they all they need to win is around them and this line again reminded me of another Star Wars moment where Leia tells Rey all we need we have Mm -hmm. um, at the end of The Last Jedi Yep, <clears throat> meaning the Jedi text that Ray boosted from Luke. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, no one else was going to read them. <laughs> Page turners, they were not. <laughs> um, Yoda tells the clones to remove their helmets. He wants to see their faces. The clones say they share a face, and Yoda says that in the Force, they are all different. This is the theme that we talked about in the Slick episode about how the clones are actually different characters and we talked about it again in the Clone Wars movie about the different units and the different specializations but here it gets very explicit. There are three clones with them. They're called, their names are Reese, Jack, and Thire. Um, Reese, always focus on the enemy for inspiration. Look to yourself and those beside you. This is what Yoda tells them. Jack is always concerned with weapons. Weapons do not win battles. Your mind, your mind power. It is outthink the droids. <laughs> that's that's a very uh, um, and knowing is half the battle. Yeah, GI Joe. Joe. The rest of it is violence. <laughs> yeah, knowing knowing is half the battle. The other twenty five percent is red lasers. The other twenty five percent is blue lasers. Which is yeah. <laughs> and then Thire, uh, rush not into fights. Long is the war, only by surviving will you prevail. Um, clones you may be, but the Force resides in all life forms. And this is this turns out to be the exact pep talk they need. Um, they know the droids are closing on their position. The clones look at this upcoming battlefield with these fresh eyes. They One of them literally says, tanks, is that all they've got? Yoda says that he will greet the advancing army himself, and the clones will know when he needs help. So Yoda goes down and sits in the path, 
sort of cross-legged. The droids identify him and block his escape. The lead droid calls the Ventress to tell her that they have found the Jedi, and he's just sitting there doing nothing. Ventress immediately loses it and yells that they need to shoot him, shoot him now, but it's too late. Yoda leaps up, draws his saber. He just starts cutting up everything in this little ravine. Um, he's running under tanks, jumping into tanks, um, cutting holes in the ceilings of tanks, ripping droids out using the force, blowing them up, cutting them in half. It's just a lot of destruction. Once again, Yoda on full display. Mm-hmm. King Katuku, who's still on the little platform pretty far away, sees a column of smoke, and he says, that's a lot of smoke for a surrender. Ventress tries to raise her droid commander, but he's been destroyed. Another droid answers the call. While on the hologram, Yoda cuts that droid's head off, um, which is comical because it's a droid. Ventress releases droid Akas. Those are sort of the roly-poly droids. Um, and the from the vantage point of up on the mountain, looking down on the ravine, the clones see the droid Akas coming, but they know that Yoda won't see them because he's occupied. Um, so they set up a shot with their last rocket to cause sort of a landslide or a rock slide that destroys the advancing droids. Um, the battle is over and it is won. And Yoda asks them if they've learned anything. And they all agree that they have. Um, Yoda and the clones head off to their meeting with King Katuku. I don't, I don't know exactly how to say his name. I think it's Katu- yeah, Katuku. That's g- good enough. Katuku. Good enough for the likes yeah. of us. Yeah, so King Katuku calls Dooku and says that they will not join the Separatists, but rather the Republic, because Yoda has bested the army. Dooku says that he should change his mind, and when he refuses, Dooku tells Ventress to kill the king so he can basically reopen negotiations with the king's successor. Yeah. This is pretty graphic. Mm-hmm. Um, she pulls out her lightsabers and uses the force to sort of toss his guards. His guards, he has a couple of royal guards with him, and they take some weak shots at Ventress, doesn't do any good. And then she swings her, her sabers at the king, and they get frozen in air, midair, by Yoda. Yoda sees Dooku in the hologram and tells him that um, Dooku and Ventress have failed this time. Ventress says that she's not afraid of Yoda, and then Yoda, like a boss just takes her lightsabers from Mm -hmm. her. I love that piece. (laughs) And tells her, still much to learn you have. Surrender you should. And then she sets off a bomb. I'm pretty sure she blows up the king's ship. Um, And it starts a rock slide, and she runs for her ship. Um, She escapes while while Yoda saves everyone from um, the avalanche. Uh, Dooku, still on the hologram, says he wishes he was there to deal with Yoda himself. Yoda points out once again that Dooku is just his apprentice. Um, And Yoda asks King Katuku if he wants to negotiate um, with the Republic, but but the king says no negotiation necessary um, because the other side just tried to assassinate him. Pretty easy decision at that point. Um, And then the clone ship shows up. Everybody is saved and leaves the end yeah the all jump up in the air freeze frame <laughs> yep she throws they throw their hats in the air freeze frame yeah it's a mary tyler more joke all right so let's just get right into it did you like it i liked it but except for the what i talked about before is this like this this competition where just like it should never have taken place you ever play as a kid like a game as a kid and then like the losing team it's just like, okay, now this one's for all the points. It's like, no, no. Uh, it's double or nothing. It's double or nothing, right? Yeah. It's it's the same thing. Like for that and the, like you said, like Yoda's acrobatics were on full display, but at the same time, he seemed kind of nonchalant. He didn't seem to take it as, um, seri- as seriously as he should. Like, like granted, right now he's like 800 something years old, or maybe, he, well, however sure. old he's. Like and going back to the the kind of the tagline for the the episode that uh, great leaders inspire was it great leaders inspire greatness in others it's like he it's like he does but at the same time it's just like 
He's also kind of maybe like inspiring bad habits from them. Yeah, like cockiness and um, and being brash or reckless mm-hmm. or having too much faith in your own abilities. Um, since you brought up the quote, the sort of Jedi fortune cookie saying in the beginning, um, can I tell you what it originally was? Sure. Because they changed it. Um, the original one is great leadership comes in all sizes. Uh, ah, <laughs> a little bit on the nose right there. It, but that one could refer to um, King Katuku and Yoda, mm-hmm. right? Because they're both like diminutive leaders. I don't know. Like, I think, I think both, I think both work. But I, I see your criticism that Yoda is not being an especially good leader here. Um, he he's showing compassion toward the, the clones, which we like in general. Um, we've discussed before. He's saying, like, don't leave anybody behind, which we've seen in um, previous episode, the cadets, clone cadets. They had that sort of in their training. Um, But, yeah, he's overly confident, doesn't give them clear instructions. Um, Somehow he's behaving as if he knows the outcome before the battle, but still is caught in a trap multiple times. Mm Mm-hmm about it and i don't know it's like i understand yoda he's one of my favorite characters i understand what like why you would portray him like this but it's it's a weird it's also very strange to me that you rely so much on his physicality when you show him walking with a cane still yeah and so what what exactly is the cane for right is it just an affectation for him or or what it is i know people were when I remember seeing Attack of the Clones in the movie opening night, and people were cheering and laughing during Yoda's lightsaber fight um, simultaneously, like cheering and laughing. And then when he picks up the cane at the end and starts walking with the cane again, everybody started laughing. Not like, not like, oh, this is ridiculous. Like this is like actually funny. Like this is actually a comedic moment. It's an intentionally comedic moment that he picks his cane back up and starts walking like an old man again. And it's like maybe, maybe I just need to think about like how Yoda uses that physicality more. But I don't know. I like the episode. I do. Like I said, it's got like a special place in my heart because we watched it so many times with the boy when he was just a baby, and and he used to he used to set up all of his battle droid action figures and reenact scenes and things, and he was always the battle droids, and I was always Yoda. So I don't know. I just it's going to be really hard for me to say anything negative about this episode. Um, and then Yoda's dealing with Dooku and Ventress. It's very, it's disrespectful in the right way, right? He calls Dooku his Padawan, and then he disarms Ventress without thinking about it. Mm-hmm. It's just incredible, like how how outmatched she is to him. Yeah. And how little respect he pays to Dooku in that moment. Any thoughts about that? Yeah, it's it's like, um, I don't know, kind of like digging deep in, in here, but it's like, it's either the arrogance of like the dark side or they just didn't know or didn't bother to tell Ventress like, yeah, Yoda's the real deal. Don't fuck with him. Because Dooku knows what he's capable of. Like, why send Ventress? Why not send, I mean, obviously send himself, but it's just like, you know he would just wreck her. Yeah, it's it's a very... I guess the, the weakest part of the episode to me is the plan. What the hell were they going to do? Like, she should know that a B-1 battle droid cannot capture Yoda. And I guess eventually she tells him to just, like, kill him. Mm-hmm. I guess that's possible. Like, it's not impossible. Um, but it just it's just not a good plan, right? And to, like, hinge... I guess the planet of Toydaria, or at least the life of King Katuku on the ability of uh, battle droids to capture or kill Yoda, you should have known how it was going to turn out. Yeah, I mean, she like Yoda is the Harlem Globetrotters, and she's got uh, she's got the Washington Generals, and then like, there's like nobody told her that the Harlem Globetrotters are always supposed to win. Yeah, and they're allowed to use a ladder. Yeah. <laughs> They're allowed to use a ladder. I don't know. Um, like I said, you're going to have a really hard time getting me to say anything negative about this episode. But I will. I do want to get your thoughts. It sounds like you're sort of 
in the positive, but not super positive about the episode. Um, I want you to try to put yourself in the mindset of someone who's never seen a Clone Wars episode and has only seen the movies watching this episode as like the new Star Wars series, because this is the very first thing people saw. Oh, you don't know who Ventress is. You don't know what's going on. Why is Yoda on this moon with this Toydarian king that you don't know? He sort of looks like Watto. Um, what's going on? What do you think about this episode as an introduction to the series and this new era of Star Wars animation? I think it's all right. It's not. It, it's hard. It, man, it, it's really hard because I can't really go back in time. But it's it's the right amount of just like like every new Star Wars thing. It's all of a sudden it's just a bunch of people you don't know. And you just kind of have to pick up the pieces as they go. Or it's people or it's characters that you know, but they've already been through a shitload of stuff that you don't know about. So you just kind of have to like go with it. It was, the, I think it was just the right amount of like, like action and force, cool force shit um, without not getting too heavy into anything. And that the heavier episodes come much later. Um, yeah, I think, I think it's all right. I mean, it's, they, they went on for six seasons and then polished off a seventh, so couldn't have been that bad. Yeah, yeah. So Ventress was in the other Clone Wars series, but this is this is the very first introduction of this Ventress. Ventress. Um, so as far as I'm concerned, the this is this is a good Star Wars episode to show first if you just want to confuse everybody, mm-hmm. um, which is a strategy, right? You draw people in the middle of an action. You don't. You have the advantage of the quote-unquote crawl to sort of set the stage every week. Um, and then the next episodes are a little arc that show, like, Malevolence arc and sort of show what, like, a battle is like um, start to finish. And so I think, you, I think you can hook people with this episode. I don't think it's a good strategy in general, but it works for this one for sure. Um I don't know if I would pick this first, but I think we talked about during the movie review um, how illogical the placement of the movie was in the airing order, which had aired like after the sixth episode or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that made next to no sense from like an advertising point of view. But I don't know. Sometimes I wish there was a little less thoughtful marketing around Star Wars and they just produce content. Because I think we get caught up in like, like the whole teaser trailer phenomenon. Yeah. Well, I think there's. Yeah, I think like the 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 sequel trilogy suffered from like this sort of like a decision by committee sort of stuff. Instead of just like, let's put out you know put out cool shit. Instead, it's just like um, very methodically thought about how everything's done and thought about thought about in the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Right. Like not putting together a plan making sure that every scene had the right elements to it to be unoffensive to the point of being bland at times. And we're both, I think I'm, I think I'm a sequel trilogy appreciator in general. Um, but I think they definitely took some safe choices and you can tell it was not a single person's vision. Mm-hmm. When we talked about during the movie, how fucking expensive the show was and how it would never be made today because of, what he had to invest to make it. Yeah. Every single one of these episodes is like a million dollars of his own money gone. And just incredible, like how much money he spent on this. All right. Do you have anything else? Uh, I do not. I had a couple of production notes, but we've been talking a lot about minutia. Um, and I don't think we need to do a deep dive on the um, bug that lands on his finger, on Yoda's finger. Um, there is an Arabesh sort of Easter egg, not really an Easter egg, but when, um, what's his name? When, I think it was either Thire, I think Thire looks through the quad knocks, um, at some point, and in the viewfinder of the quad knocks, um, it says infrared view and visual view. Um, and so the quad knocks have an infrared mode. <laughs> One of these days, I'm just going to just just learn it completely because I'm like starting to get better at r- recognizing letters. But I should just like just me- memorize it. So then like when things pop up, I can just be like, oh, oh, right. There's some good stuff in Arabesh in these shows. So I'm going to point it out when I see it. We sort of covered the the saying 
the fortune cookie billboard saying and the alternative one um and i don't have any other production notes so uh do you want to go to the rating uh yeah so all right so now's the time in the show where we rank an episode our ranking system is pretty simple we rank by a star wars character so a really episode would be an original trilogy character Han, vader chewbacca etc a really bad episode would be one of the Nimodian uh, on the the bridge who just had like uh, of the uh, droid um, control ships. Just for knowing, could take them or leave them. So Matt, what is your ranking for this episode? Uh, I'm going to give this episode a Reiko Hardeen, um, who is the bounty hunter. The alias. Spoiler alert. Yep, is the bounty hunter that is Obi Wan Kenobi's alias in the bounty hunter arc of Clone Wars. I love that arc. I like the idea of him going undercover. I can't wait to get there. Um, but the character itself, Reiko Hardin, um, not super important, and but still a sort of really cool idea. And I, I just love this episode, so I'm going to stick with Reiko. Okay. Uh, what's yours? I am giving this one a Nadar Veb. He is the Mon Calamari Jedi Padawan of Kit Fisto's Kit. Sorry, Kit Fisto's. Um, spoiler alert: He does not make it. He's in the episode. He just passed his trial, so he's just like a newly minted Jedi Knight, and he's very almost arrogant. And he, um, well, maybe not arrogant, but just like he's a, he's kind of like the um, personification of what's happening to the Jedi. Where they they're growing up in war, and they they are appreciating um, the importance of power versus anything else. And the reason I chose him is because of what we were talking about. Yoda's very kind of flippant attitude um, through the whole episode, and through the whole trilogy, or not trilogy, but through the whole series. Like he's very Yoda's one of the people who gets hoodwinked. Like can't see the forest for the trees. Can't see. Darth Sidious right in front of him, so I just thought that uh, Veb would be a good, uh, good representation because Yoda is very kind of cocksure in this episode, like he knows what's going on. I love that pick and I love that character. Um, we're actually going to get to that episode in six episodes, I think. Six or seven episodes is Lair of Grievous. Um, such a good episode. Yeah, I, I just I cannot like the clones, the clones, and just like every little thing that you, that shows the fall of the Jedi, like like how they're just they've just been like tainted. It's just I just, I just love I just love that. There's just the little details that show like yeah, the, all these guys they're the good guys, but yeah, they they fuck up super bad constantly, make super bad decisions. Exactly, exactly. It's it's a it's pitch perfect for the show. Um, yeah, that's, that's wonderful. Um, and by the end of this series, Yoda is completely transformed. Like he, he has a huge character arc here where he goes deep into the paint and the war and then ends up on the other side, understanding that he, they probably shouldn't have ever allowed this war to start. Um, I can't wait to talk about that. Mm -hmm. Uh, do we have anything else? No, no, that's, that's it for me. All right, should I roll the dice or the die? Yeah, uh, why don't you explain it and then roll it. We let the fate decide, huh? I just happen to have a chance QB here. Blue, it's the boy. Red, his mother. All right, so we're at the end of the episode, and so we, we have to figure out now what we're going to watch next. And for our Clone Wars reviews, at the end, we roll a D20, a 20-sided die, with the numbers 1 through 20 on it. And if the die comes up a 1, we will review an episode of the 1985 Nelvana series Ewoks. If it lands on any other number, 2 through 20, we will review the next episode in the chronological, in-universe chronological order, which is episode um, 2 from season 1, called Rising Malevolence. Um, so are you ready? And okay. I record these roles and I put them on Twitter when we post the review of the episodes. 
And so I am recording on my phone and going to roll the die. And it is an 18. Okay. No Ewoks for us. Not this time, but we'll get there. <laughs> Eventually. I think we rolled an 18 before. Mm. But yeah. we have a 5% chance every time I throw the die of getting an Ewoks episode. All right, so that's what we're doing next, guys. We're doing Riving, we're doing the Malevolence arc, which is season one, episode two of Clone Wars. Um, so I guess that's it for us today, Jamie. Oh, yeah. all right, cool. Well, um, thank you, dear listeners or yubscribers, as uh, you've been described by at least one person. Um, thank you for listening. We don't advertise or anything, so word of mouth is really how. Uh, we get this out there so tell a friend or family member who's really into star wars about us if uh, you want to or if you think we suck tell somebody you don't like uh, about us and make them make them waste their time because fuck them right all right so we'll be back with the episode of uh clone wars the rise of the Male- rise of the Male- malevolence rising malevolence sorry <clears throat> we'll, we'll be back with our take on rising malevolence Rising Malevolence. Nailed it. Thank you for downloading and listening to this episode. We would also like to thank Jordan White for the use of his cover of Yub Nub as our intro and outro music. Please refer to the show notes for photos, clips, and links from this episode. Side effects from listening to Yubcast may include dizziness, dry mouth, a sense of confusion, and decreased sex drive. Serious side effects may include speaking in Ewok, speculating the origins of prequel characters, and wondering why two grown men discuss children's cartoons on the internet. For a complete list of side effects or to complain about the show, please visit us on Twitter at yubcast or drop us an email at noochbaderproductions at gmail.com. Thanks again. We'll see you again next week with a new episode. Yubcast is not affiliated with Lucasfilm or the Walt Disney Company. Star Wars, its characters, and creations are the property of Lucasfilm and its parent company, the Walt Disney Company. Yubcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Da 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 da